Thanks for listening to Cloudy with the Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. And I'm chief meteorologist McCall Vrydags. So we had uh, kind of a crazy week, McCall, and a sad week. Mm -hmm. Yes, we did. Unfortunately, it brought back a whole lot of memories for many of us in the Miami Valley. Yes. So March came in like a lion with uh, powerful, you know, tornadoes in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Not here in the Miami Valley this time around, but it was really just sad and very hard to watch what was going on to our south. Yeah, and uh, at this time of taping, they're still surveying the damage down there. So all the official reports have not come out from the National Weather Service Mm -hmm. in Nashville. But at this point in time, there was one long track tornado in EF3, I believe. There was another tornado near Cookville that was uh, determined to be an EF4. Yes. And um, I'm seeing a lot of photos of the damage there and knowing the majority of the deaths and injuries were there. It's just so sad. I know. And, you know, it's. Worst case, it was worst case scenario. Mm. It was a very powerful long track tornado that occurred overnight and not 10 or 11, but, you know, midnight. People at that point were well asleep. Um, It happened in a very populated area. It Mm -hmm. was paths north of Nashville. I mean, it was in downtown Nashville. It was in the city limits. So it hit a really populated city and it did cause many fatalities. It did. And I think it brought up a lot of questions as to why there were so many fatalities. And, you know, there are a lot of things that you and I have been discussing over the past few days as to why. Mm -hmm. Um, In comparison to our Memorial Day outbreak, we had uh, a dozen or so severe thunderstorms that were off into the west in Indiana, some tornado warnings, and this was all during, you know, 7, 8 o'clock time frame. We knew they were coming in. It was Memorial Day, so people were perhaps staying up later. Yeah. You know, there was good programming on television, so people were watching that before they went to bed. So I think there was a lot more awareness going into the event um, that perhaps, you know, saved some lives. And then, again, it wasn't the middle of the night, yeah. so people weren't sleeping when this came in. And the Nashville tornadoes, I know because I was working that night, that those storms just blossomed mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, in fact, at 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, there wasn't anything even on radar. Right. Um, so I don't know if people were thinking it's March, this stuff doesn't happen, yeah. or, or, you know, whatever was going into it. But I, I do believe it was because it was so late at night. Yeah, I, I think that I would agree with you. Um in a ton of buildings, like completely collapse. I also just wonder, structurally, are there more historic buildings, especially around Nashville and in that area? What were the the types of ho- homes and that kind of thing? Um, so, of course, we'll kind of get more information on that as as we head through the coming weeks. But it's just absolutely gut wrenching to think people lost their lives, people were injured, mm-hmm. everyone that covered, everyone, all the first responders that are still working, the family members. So um, we do, if you do want to help, uh, there are a lot of ways that you can. Um, people came together for us here in the Miami Valley and um, WHIO.com. We have a couple stories of ways that you can either volunteer locally and, and try to get some some aid down to them or even just links to find out with you know the Red Cross where you can make donations. So if, if that's something that you want to do, um, WHIO.com, will, we definitely have some stories that are running right now with a little bit of information on how to help. And as we enter a severe weather season, you know, it's really that you have to start thinking about these these kind of things as mm-hmm. far as um, the threat for tornadic activity will increase as we move into the next few months. Um, and early warning detection, a, a big part of saving lives. And I think that our guests today are a big part of that and I mm-hmm. know that they played a big role for us in the Memorial Day tornado outbreak and 
we'll also have a discussion about how our listeners, especially locally, can get yeah. involved and perhaps be a part of that early warning and being able to possibly save lives yes. in the future. Yes. Uh, knowledge is power, and we will tell you how you can gain a lot more knowledge uh, when it comes to severe weather. But I do want to introduce our guests. Two of them, if you are Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast listener, you have heard from these guys before. Uh, we have Don Parker, who is a coordinator for Dayton Skywarn. He is also a retired uh, public safety, and I have to keep it generic because he has done <laughs> almost every job in the field of public safety. Um, he is a very busy man, though, and he's been with us before. And then Gary Clark is a co-coordinator as well for Skywarn. Um, he is also a damage assessment and situational awareness function lead and has really done a lot in the Miami Valley, not only with the Memorial Day tornado outbreak, but uh, we'll talk more about what Skywarn is and uh, what you know why that is such an important organization here. And then our new guest today is Harold Holden. Hi, Harold. Hello. So Harold is part of the Community Emergency Response Team. CERT. Yes, it's okay. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, yep, I think it's I got right. that acronym right. Um, he's also a social media spotter, so we're going to talk about storm spotter training. And that was interesting to me because Gary and Don, um, you guys are Skywarn, you're, you're storm spotters, you radio is your jam. Uh, and then when Gary had said, oh, he does social media, I'm yep. like, this day and age now, we can get spotter reports everywhere. Absolutely. And one of those big ways is through social media. So that was kind of interesting to me just thinking like yeah. five years ago, was that even a thing? Probably not. 10 years ago, it wasn't. Mm. And to think now that we're even transitioning how we're getting spotter reports. Absolutely. So Harold, I want to start with you because mm -hmm. first of all, you all three were involved <clears throat> the weekend, uh, our Memorial Day tornado outbreak. All three of you guys were on the ground and doing your part. But Harold, what were you doing for the Memorial Day tornado outbreak. Well, then the night of the storm, I was monitoring Skywarn. Mm -hmm. um, I live in <clears throat> by Carillon Park, an area of Kettering, so storm was pretty close. Mm -hmm. um, I was listening and just kind of monitoring what was going on. I had already checked in with them. Uh, once it hit, you know, I had already had a relationship with Brookville Cert, and I'm from German Township Police Cert, so I contacted them and I was able to respond and and kind of like a mutual assistance to mm -hmm. Brookville Cert. Um, and for that first night, you know, I helped them in their response, which was, for the most part, was anything we could do to keep the fire station running and keep the firefighters happy, keep those teams going. It could be coffee. It could be moral support. Whatever it was mm -hmm. is what we did for them. Wow. And then the preceding days after that, I spent my time with the Red Cross doing damage assessments. So the gentleman right there. I was going to say, yeah. Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. So what, I guess, what was that like that night in terms of, so CERT, I'm assuming that means that you are, are helping the first yes. responders? That is what Absolutely. your goal and your job is? Yeah. So really what CERT does is it, it kind of started from the ashes of the Los Angeles earthquakes. They quickly found major earthquake. They can't cover their bases enough. They're overwhelmed. CERT was designed by FEMA to work with local agencies and be trained by local agencies to give those first responders uh, something to crutch to lean on. We are the backup team for them. If kind of the saying is, if you see us, it's probably pretty bad out. Well, so <laughs> unfortunately, but it's true. And we yeah. were able to back up these teams and, and that was really uh, part of that dynamic. What, what were your like feelings and thoughts it going was tough. into that night and, yeah. and seeing things? Well, I think the, what hit me was when I jumped on 75, cause I live in Kettering. I had to go to Brookville. I jumped on 75 and all of a sudden, there's just nothing but flashing green, red, blue lights. I'm like, what is going on here? And I'd forgotten the tornado crossed 75. 
So all of a sudden, the trooper's slowing me down, and there's snow plows plowing 75. And I'm driving through. There's a car on its side, and I'm like, and that's when it hit me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, this, this is, wow, okay, this is, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, that kind of hits yes. you right in the gut. And the morning after, you know, Brookville, I didn't see anything because I was at the firehouse. Mm-hmm. Leaving Brookville in the morning, I remember leaving, going on Diamond Mill Road <clears throat> and, you know, driving around poles down. And the sun had just come up and there was a woman in her front yard. Her house was just demolished and they had a tent set up, I guess, yeah. from the night before. She was inconsolable. There was smoke in the air. She was crying. Her kid had a teddy bear holding on to her. Oh. And it just, I, I'll never get that image out of my head. Yeah. That, that's not something I'll forget. And it that's kind of how it was out there. Yeah. And then your job, doing what you do, you have to imagine all of those first responders going out and having to see yeah. a yeah. lot more of that. So what you do yeah. and what you did played a big role in you know the cleanup and the recovery effort. So thank yeah. you for that. You're very welcome. Happy to do it. So you did say that you and Gary then, the next step was with Red Cross. So yes. What was that like for both you and for Gary as well to chime in? Well, for me, for the Red Cross, you know, uh, <clears throat> the Red Cross contacted German Township Police Cert, and we started, and we got organized, met with Gary and folk at the Red Cross, and that was, there's a lot of moving parts to the Red Cross. That is a big, big thing going on, <laughs> and it, it's quite impressive uh, when you see it all in action, and, and getting out there and working with the Red Cross was a real positive experience, and they really supported us, you know, if we had emotional it was tough on you out there it really beats you up because you're you're talking to the 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 survivors and it just really wears you down so they offered things like debriefs where they can like kind of help you because after four days out there you're mentally kind of beat up so so harold so harold had a couple issues out there when he's out there walking because he's he's out there actually physically walking because you couldn't you couldn't get around in in the vehicles because the debris being down or the the uh, passerbys who were going to look, survey the damage and clogging the streets, mm-hmm. they couldn't get anywhere. So they were out walking. And so Harold mentioned the story of a, a, one of the ladies that yeah. uh, his partner was out, he was out there with and, and looked around and couldn't find his partner and realized his partner is back here helping a lady who had, uh, had uh, basically passed out on the sidewalk from heat exhaustion. Yeah. And yeah. so they happened to be out there and they were the first people to make contact and, and got this lady help. So, uh, you know, if Harold wants to expand on that. Yeah, you know, that was, um, we have a rule in CERT is you never leave your buddy. And we always do things in pairs, and there's a reason for that. It's a safety yeah. thing. So I, my Red Cross buddy that day happened to be a, a disaster assistance person from the Red Cross, and she was incredible. I wish I remembered her name. I'd give her props. But um, I turned around, and she wasn't there. And then I remember looking up the street and seeing a woman down and a Red Cross vest leaning over her. And I grabbed my medical bag out of my car and I went running and this woman was, oh boy, she, poor thing. But she, I don't know her condition, but we got a squad in there, which wasn't easy because the entire road was blocked with people trying right, to get in the subdivision. Yeah. So I had to commandeer the intersection, yell at people to get the squad in because we couldn't get them in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I don't know her condition. I hope she's doing good. Yeah. Um, if she hears this, you know, I'm thinking about you. So. <laughs> I can't even, I mean, we, McCall and I, I, McCall's walked the paths of these storms to Mm -hmm. kind of show the progress and to continue to shed light because this isn't just something that it's still not fixed and it will continue to do work. But yes, the images, 
you just can't get them out of your mind of what it looked like right after. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you think of all the families, and McCall, you kind of talked about this recently with the story that you've recently done of, you know, is it too hard to live next door and continuously look at at damage in homes that are Mm -hmm. not rebuilt and you know, that that's just like that scar gets brought open over and over again. Oh, 100%. And I think that it even if you moved away and then you see things on TV like Nashville, yeah. it just reopens that wound. And I, you know, we talked about it a little bit. John Bedell did a story yesterday about PTSD. And if, if you're suffering from something like that, you need to acknowledge that and get the help mm-hmm. so that you can move on and be, you know, a function in society at, at the level that you used to. But I mean, you guys really, really. Yeah, and on the damage assessment side for Red Cross, you know, I've I've seen all the places. I went yeah. from yeah. Brookville to Beaver Creek, even up north to to Laura and and Potsdam and Har- Harold was out more in the field than I was because I was back headquarters head, um, coordinating all these people. But Harold was saying as he was walking through, just how people were really unprepared. They did not have basic yeah. needs like water. Mm-hmm. You know, they were. And um, in Trotwood, when Trotwood Fire and Rescue went through, checking on everybody on the search and rescue point, and they moved on, and then the people are standing there in the rubble, and they're just trying to figure out, what do I do next? Yeah. They were waiting yeah. for some sort of authority to come through behind the fire department and tell them what to do. Yeah. Because they did not know, they had no clue what to do. And they didn't have basic, like I said, they didn't have water. They didn't have food. They didn't know where it was coming from. Okay. Because, of course, we had the water shut down. Right. So they were completely lost, and, and the preparedness part of it, you know, was completely. And, and I always said, you know, a lot of the stories I heard was some of them were unprepared because they got the notifications at the last minute, which yeah. was strange to me because there was so much lead time. A ton. Yeah. Very yeah. On this, actually. but, you know, especially from the time the tornado warning went out to the time it hit Northridge was a 36-minute yeah. lead time. Yeah. And the stories I heard that people just had minutes, they were just got down the stairs when the yeah, tornado hit i think it's the mentality no never yeah. never it's will not that happen, happen to, to me, me yeah. right you know? and, and so you know it had they had to know a weather radio which i like to push yeah. you know they would have had the alerts ahead of time mm-hmm. and, and it would have been continuous uh, i know they talk about we but some people turn those we off on right. their phone because the amber alerts that go out in the middle of the night or flash flood warnings that they don't really care about mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not an area for them so they're not really worried about it so they turned his wheels off and they weren't getting the alerts. So, and some of the people were watching some of the, the Netflix or Hulu or mm-hmm. some of the other streaming services. And so they were getting calls from family members or their neighbors telling them, you know, it's, you okay? it's getting, it's getting close. You know, mm-hmm. you guys taking cover and they didn't, they weren't uh, clueless at the time. So they yeah. would turn it off and then turn on the TV yeah. and see, oh my gosh, it's barren right down for us. And, mm-hmm. And then, you know, like I said, or they would be, their kids would be on a video game or, or they would have their phones and didn't realize that you know, the kids had their phones, didn't realize that this message went off. And so, like I said, to hear, to hear it was surprising that they just had minutes to get in the basement when they had a 36 minute lead time was just dumbfounding to me. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a, a true wake up call though for everybody. Yeah. You know, we haven't had something like this happen. Mm. You know, I mean, the closest thing to, you know, a widespread damage was, the um the the derecho that came through right twelve but even mm-hmm. then you know it was what a, a week or so and things got back to normal and yeah because yeah. we were fortunate in 2014 when the cedarville tornado happened yeah. right that was an f3 yes. they hit the dobbins family farm right yep. and those were the only that was <clears> the, that was the only area that they happened so to we, we were fortunate yeah when that happened yeah yeah but uh yeah i think it opened up a lot of our eyes to 
um, preparedness moving mm-hmm. forward. And yeah. um, I think that probably just being situationally guys, aware, you yeah, know? situationally aware. And I'm sure for Red Cross, I know you guys do a lot of things to, um, you know, public safety events to teach people about things. And, you know, maybe you change how, how you tell people certain things. And yeah. I know that we've altered how we tell people to prepare. Yeah. You have to think about those kind of things and make sure you have, you know, put your shoes on before you go down to the basement because you, right, you come upstairs, your shoes might not be there. Yeah. Yeah, That's definitely true. Um, I also, we, we were kind of talking before we started this about, um, the spotters that you guys were all working with together. Mm -hmm. And, um, McCall was on air that night, so she was quite busy. Uh, but for you guys in house, uh, for people that don't know, storm spotters are trained and they're key when it comes to getting the, the ground truth, we'll say, for hail, tornadoes, wind damage, um, things of that nature. We had a tornado at night. Uh, all of our tornadoes were after the sun went down. So um, that could be extra challenging. But what was it like for Skywarn, which, Don, I'm going to throw this to you. Um, what was it like for Dayton Skywarn that night when you guys were in correspondence with um you know some of your spotters that were all over the place it was uh, very interesting and the term that i was told when taking over skywarn years ago was uh skywarn net operators it's either pure boredom or sheer terror (laughs) (laughs) and that's the way it was that evening gary and i were sitting there watching the radar and discussing things for at least an hour or more and then it all hit. Yeah. And uh, I was I took the uh, weather spotter reports from people when the tornadoes entered into Brookville, traveling through Trotwood in Harrison Township. And uh, once it jumped over the highway, one of our other net ops, Dave Crawford, took the hot seat because I was a little frazzled and worn out, mm-hmm. riding as fast as I could, and I passed the information to Gary. And Gary would um, send it down to Wilmington Weather. And that's pretty much how a lot of the information was getting back out to everybody right away. So it was, um, it was very challenging, very, um, very interesting was the fact that these weather spotters were out there. And they're watching and reporting the tornado activity. Very calm. There's nothing like on TV, nobody's screaming and yelling, tornado. They were very calm. Uh, Their reports came in once they could see the tornado, when the power lines, the lightning, or the uh, transformers would blow up, Mm -hmm. and that's how they were able to see the uh, movement of the tornado. When we left at uh, about 1.30, I'd mentioned to Gabby uh, Enright and, um, excuse me, Letitia Perry, and they were coming in as we were leaving, and said, I can tell you we've had a couple buildings damaged. We know one was destroyed on on um, North Dixie. Other than that, we don't know what's out there, right. and not mm-hmm. until daylight. So I went home, listened to the fire traffic in Harrison Township, dozed off for a few minutes, and then got called in to work EMA in the in emergency operations center for the rest of the night. And all day Tuesday, that was a long day from Monday to Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that was my other facet or the other side of what I did uh, for those two days. And then Gary went to Red Cross, so we didn't get any sleep either. Yeah. So on the amateur radio side of things, you know, there there's just 
uh, I like to use the amateur radio uh, analogy as an operations channel that when police and fire, you know, everybody on the scene knows where everybody is at and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, on amateur radio, we did the same thing with the storm spotters. Okay. They would radio in and we'd follow the tornado all the way across the county. Mm-hmm. So one of our spotters, Jacob Itell, He's down there, and he was between West Alex and New Lebanon, and he's looking north, and he sees the Brookville tornado mm-hmm. and says, you know, I can see the funnel, but I can't tell if it's on the ground. Okay. And then the next report, he's on Diamond Mill Road. He says, tornado's underground, large tornado underground, headed for Trotwood. Mm-hmm. And that's what activated the tornado emergency because, you know, it takes a visual report for him to activate the tornado right. emergency. Yeah. And then we got the next report, like Don said, it came from – you know, it's crossing behind uh, Hare Arena. It's here at Main and Turner. It's here at uh, Dixie and Wagner Ford. You know, it just took a, the whole shopping center here mm-hmm. uh, on North Dixie and Siebenthaler. Um, it's crossing 75 now, and now it's going into Beaver Creek area, and that's when the other operator picked up. So we, we were able to track it. Right, literally based off of your... With, with the sort, yeah, with storm storm reports with our radio people, like I said, because one person would leak, couldn't see it, and the next person would pick it up because they heard the report on on our end. So, and I think what you guys do is vitally important in that type of situation. By the time I'm getting the information on air, it has already been through several channels of confirmation before it gets to me. Mm-hmm. You guys are pretty much fully trusting your spotters out there that you've trained them well and that what they're telling you is true. So I can only imagine what it feels like to hear the information that there is a large dangerous tornado on the ground and you are the one that is, or they are, but the dominoes start to fall pretty much from them to you yeah. all the way around to Even though we weren't getting television. a lot of damage reports early on because, you know, the report in the tornado right. is on the ground, you mm-hmm. know, so it may be dangerous from even being in that area. So to... Went to Don's point that we did not know exactly what had occurred. We knew we had a large tornado. Mm-hmm. We just didn't know how much damage other than the, the large complexes because those are easy to see. They're, you know, they're lit up and they're, they're, they're the bigger complexes that has the most damage. We did not know the housing side of things until morning yeah. when we actually see how much damage there was to, to everybody. And I want to say that while you guys are in there getting reports, I don't want people that are listening and don't really know much about Skywarn or have never seen the way that you operate. They're not just sitting there listening to traffic scanner and just taking it at its word. You guys also have uh, computers in front of you. You're watching the weather conditions. You're also in contact, you know, with the National Weather Service. So you know that these are legitimate reports right. that are coming in. Yeah, we have two. We have two direct contacts. Or our, we have a direct contact on our amateur radio side to into Wilmington. And plus, we're monitoring NWS chat, same as you are. Mm-hmm. So we're getting the reports live, same as you. Yeah. Um, kind of make sure, and, and like you said, filter out. It's not like, you're not just like reading random Facebook messages. These are, you know, your crew. No, I, but we do, we do not just random Facebook messages, but we do have our Facebook, our social media spotters. Yeah, you know? right. Yep. Those who aren't. AKA Harold. <clears throat> right. Me. Those who aren't amateur radio trained can yes. still. Yeah. But you know, you know the people yes. that right. you can depend on. Yes. And these are not, yeah. you know, and Joe have, Smith and yeah. You yeah. Know, and we have some of those with our social media. We, we we have some regulars who check in with us who give us regular reports as well. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's not just the radio side. Yeah. You know, it's a collaboration of everybody because we want those reports to get to you. Correct. And more people that do comment, you know, then you're like, okay, this is really yeah. actually happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, thankful for that. And obviously you guys have to train these people how to do it and you have a training that's coming up and this is really one of the main reasons that we guys have you on today yeah so let's talk a little bit about 
that we assume, I mean, every year, um, storm starter training is, is very, very important. This year in particular, especially coming off of our, all of our multiple communities that were impacted by tornadoes on Memorial Day, um, I would assume and I would honestly urge people to go. I think mm-hmm. that this is a great tool for anyone that experienced this, that was caught off guard, frightened, um, and just wants to gauge themselves with more information and then also to be able to be a part of the help rather than feel um, like a victim. You know what I mean? Like feel mm-hmm. like a victim. Like when you yeah. have the education and the knowledge, it, it will help you. So I don't know. And who maybe wants you're going to be the person to get that report exactly, to save to somebody else down the road. How to, right. right. How to help. So I don't know who wants to answer this, but let's talk about what are these um, what are these training sessions that are going on? What we do is uh, we cover 15 counties, 15 counties with the National Weather Service uh, each spring. And we go out to them and we train anybody that wants to attend. And they have a uh, presentation they use, which gives people an idea uh, of what the, what they should be looking for, uh, what they should report. And then once they attend a class, they get their card, then they can report directly into the National Weather Service uh, their observations. The one thing I wanted to point out, you do not have to be ham radio certified to be a weather spotter. Uh, Your card, you know, even if you uh, haven't been in a class, you can still call them and report if you see a tornado coming. But it's... You know, we like to see people attend this class so we can give them the, the proper guidelines on what we need and what uh, National Weather Service wants to hear from uh, in order for the help uh, judge what they're going to uh, put out. And the thing about with our training is I always tell them, uh, for ham radio people, when you make a report, if you're in another county and you call in a report on our frequency, uh, and you switch back to your, your county frequency, uh, hang on there in case NWS wants us to check something. Uh, a, good, a good example of us working with them on weather spotters was a tornado that dropped down near the uh, Kmart in Beaver Creek several years ago. It was one of our spotters that uh, they said, see if you got anybody in the area. Well, we did. And he calls in the cars on their sides, you know, all the mm-hmm. damage and stuff that, uh, you know, but NWS needed a spotter to confirm what they were seeing on their radar. Yeah. And I'll, yeah. And I'll say, you know, obviously being able to be a spotter is a wonderful thing. But if you're just wanting to be educated on basic weather phenomena, I know that this is a, a great training to go to because yes. I know yep. that there are some things that can look really scary but are not as violent as you think that they might be. Right. You know, what's the difference between a shelf cloud and a wall cloud? Scudge. There's a dramatic difference between them and they can produce, you know, much different types of yes. weather scenarios yeah. or a scud cloud. You know, yeah. this is something you don't have to worry about and, and why um, it, it's so scary looking, but you don't right. need to necessarily go running into your basement for. So I think that going through what we went through, this would be a great opportunity to learn about those things mm-hmm. and then an added bonus to become a storm spotter yeah. that if something like that was happening, you could uh, get that information to the weather service and in turn get it to us on air as well. Yeah, and there's no registration required. Right. It's open to anybody inside or outside the county. You don't have to live in the county right. where spotters come. You can come into yeah. Dayton and 
there's no age restrictions either. You know, we, we have a little boy. It's This is going to be his fourth year coming. He comes in fourth birthday every year for our spider training. Oh. <laughs> and this is going to be his fourth year. And there's there's a young boy that um, his grandmother reached out to me. He's autistic, but he's high-end autistic yeah. and loves weather. And so I believe that he's going to come and, and yeah. you know, Wonderful. learn about it. So he should yeah. be there. Um, so, yeah, this is a great opportunity, I think, if you can get to uh, these classes. So our next one's coming up Saturday March 14th, and this one we're going to have two sessions. Um, the morning class is the basic class, so we're going to do a little overview of the amateur radio network, and then we do the basic class, and then we'll have some of our local TV Mets, um, Christy, of course, coming in, and um, do a little presentation or Q&A with the, with the basic people. And then in the afternoon, we'll break for lunch, and then the afternoon, we'll go into some more uh, technical details, uh, mesoscale analysis, radar technology, and more advanced spotter training, and and a presentation on the uh, Memorial Day Outlook from NWS. And the advanced training is only in Dayton every three years. Every correct? three years. So Wilmington has 52 counties they got to cover. The advanced training is offered once per year in one of those 52 counties. So we rotate it between Columbus, Cincinnati, and Dayton. This year is Dayton's year to host it. So it will not be back for three years after this year. So this is your time to come in and catch it now. But the basic class you can catch in any county. Mm-hmm. So there's still more there's still more opportunities after March 14th to go to another county and catch the basic class. Yeah, so, and I believe we were chatting areas, counties basically north of I-70 will probably follow this one in Dayton on March 14th. But for exact dates and information, you can get over to the uh, National Weather Service website, the www.weather.gov forward slash ILN and click on spotter training uh, or up there on the headlines. That's both the headlines for the, the 2020 spotter training schedule and the advanced training. Or you can go to uh, the Dayton Skywarn media pages, social or- media pages. Or you can contact Kirsty and I, and we will point you in the right direction. Yep. Yeah, hopefully we can. Um, we might even be able to get the link on our show notes here if you're listening mm-hmm. to us on um, Apple. So, anyways, we'll make sure you find out. <laughs> yes. If not, just ask, and we will tell you where to go. Uh, but but the one coming up on March 14th is at the University of Dayton, at oh, the yeah. Kennedy Union. So uh, UD goes on spring break that Friday, and so Saturday is going to be a free open game for us. So there's going to be plenty of parking. Lots B or C. Uh, basic starts at 9 a.m. Okay. It runs till noon. We break for an hour and a half lunch. Advances from 1.30 to 5. Okay. Oh, that'll be great. Um, really is a great class. McCall and I have done these classes many times. Mm-hmm. My husband did it once on accident, and so did my mother and father. They were all in town, so they got to join me, and uh, I'll get trained. Did and they get their cards? They did get my – I think my husband did take his card. I'm not sure my mom and dad did. They're up in Cleveland. But they did feel very educated and empowered. And, and we and do have a lot of the TV Mets who come in and sit in for the all-day training. Yeah, so. it's, it was, it's a great, great learning experience. And like McCall said – if you don't, you don't have to be a trainer, but it is very, very good to see what's dangerous, what's not, what does this cloud mean, you know, all of that. And then the, the National Weather Service uh, meteorologists are so talented, so skilled, and they're very, very good at breaking down this information. So it's easy to understand. Yeah, I think it's a very uh, comfortable, open environment mm-hmm. for all age levels, all education levels to raise your hand and ask a question and you know, everybody's on that same page of, I just need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Harold, I learned something new every day from you. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing is cert. Yes. So just like uh, you could become a storm spotter, you can also become 
assert team member? Yes, absolutely. Um, it doesn't matter if you're able to jump over buildings or you're fully disabled. There's a place you insert. Anybody can take the training. The training is absolutely free and is usually sponsored by municipalities and funded by FEMA. And it's, it's incredible training. I highly recommend it. Again, it is free. And in most cases, you don't have to be like at German Township. You don't have to be a resident of the township mm-hmm. to take the training. I'm from Kettering. Okay. And I'm you know, repping German Township. And I believe the same is with Brookville, but I do have some numbers and some dates if you'd like. Yes, of course. I think people would love to know. So German Township Police, on the 16th, we start our training this year. The training is every Monday and Tuesday. Runs for about 20 hours, about four sessions. Your contact person will be Lori Rohrbach, and she is at German Township Police at 937-855-7215. March the 24th up in Brookville, Ohio. Brookville Fire. And those guys, I love you guys in Brookville. You're awesome. (laughs) I just got to show them a little bit of love here. Uh, They're having a training March 24th. I forgot to jot down the exact dates, but I believe it's four different training sessions. They can contact James at Brookville Fire at 937-321-7534. Also on Facebook, you can look up German Township Police on Facebook and Brookville Search, C-E-R-T. They have a Facebook presence. And Wonderful. again, the training is free. You get a cert, you get free gear, you get a free cert bag out of mm-hmm. the deal. Um, and it, 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 you don't have to respond to events at, at a minimum. It's going to make you a very, very helpful uh, person. Very, yeah. It, <laughs> it's all about they'll your teach, neighbors. Teach you some basic yeah. Stuff. How to turn off your gas. You right. Know, you know, like basic Things first aid, basic uh, first light, aid light search and rescue, you know. Yeah. Oh, I think that's great. So thank awesome. you for sharing that. People well, thank are you for just. Having me. They're going to be so empowered heading into severe weather season. We will probably chat with you guys again later, especially as we go through severe weather season. But thank you all so much for joining us. This was, I think, super educational. Thank you all three of you for what you did on Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. Um, You each had a big role. And, um, you know, that was a hard time for us. And and we got to just lean on each other. And we're going into severe weather. So McCall and I will be ready. But uh, hopefully we never have to deal with this again. Hopefully not. And at least we know we have these guys that are uh, with us and supporting us along the way. Uh, thank you for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcasts. You can download, subscribe on your Apple podcast app over on Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. We also have some vodcast episodes where we have video versions of some of the podcasts. We did not do one today. Um, but if you want to go back and watch some past episodes, any streaming device that you might have, download the WHIO app and you will be able to find Cloudy with a, po- uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast there. And that includes things like Apple TV. TV, uh, Amazon Fire, uh, Roku, again, anything that streams our services there, you can find it. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.